Hey everyone, Steve here, and I just want to give a quick shout out to Rebs2020, Marco Polo6566, and Bob Nagel for giving us reviews on iTunes. iTunes does their rankings based on an algorithm of downloads and reviews, so each review we get helps bump us up those podcast charts. If you like what you've heard, and you've got a moment, please go to iTunes and leave us an honest review. We would appreciate it more than you know. We've got a link embedded in the summary of this MP3 to make it even easier to do so, and if you do you'll probably get a shout out on a future episode. Thanks. In many of these communities, the marketplace was completely transformed as in some communities going from impoverished, alcohol-ridden, tormented communities to prosperous, marketplace-oriented communities where the people thrive because the whole economy has been turned upside down. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, co-founder of Marketplace Rock, Amy Everett. Now, Amy used to be a director at National Day Prayer Task Force, and the last time that we had her on, we had her talk about how prayer can transform businesses and how Marketplace Rock is partnering with owners, executives, and managers to help transform their workplaces. Of all the shows that I personally have heard feedback from you all, this is one of the tops that I hear positively about. If you missed that first one, go to eternalleadership.com slash 004 or find that link embedded in the summary of this MP3. I've, I've heard stories over the years about communities that have such an outpouring in them that we see a true cultural transformation, like significant drops in crime rate, domestic abuse, alcoholism, jails and bars closing, turnaround of local economies, even in the case of a few communities, the land being healed, and major increases in crop size and frequencies. These are documented, and you'll hear more from Amy, the common denominators about this kind of transformation, and how, if you've got a heart for your community, you can be a spark. Here now is how my co-host John Ramstead and I got this conversation started. All right, John, I think it was back in early October before we launched this podcast, and it was after the Colorado Christian Business Alliance Conference, where we first became familiar with today's guest, Amy Everett, that Amy and I went out for coffee in Parker, Colorado, at a Panera, and there we just kind of started talking just a little bit overview of what she was doing and how she could fit into the show, and we were talking really about that first episode about her work with Marketplace Rock. And during that conversation, she mentioned some videos by George Otis Jr. and the Sentinel Group. Uh, They're basically about cultural transformation, transforming communities, transforming countries, and, and specific instances of that kind of transformation. And literally, I want to say within a three-day period, I had like three or four other people mention George Otis Jr. Now, I'd never heard of George Otis Jr., And I had never really thought much about transformation, but it really sparked something in me. And so I watched and I was blown away. And so I'd wanted to bring Amy on today to talk a little bit more about that and explain it and really share this vision, because this is something I think is really cool and something I think that could really change cultures. And so, Amy, it's great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate being here. You guys are awesome. Well, it's great to have you back also, Amy. And, and, you know, as listeners know, recently we had Lance Wallnow on, and part of that conversation was about discipling nations. 
And it was great how that conversation, we just worked back to what can we do as individuals in our life, our relationship with, with God, our prayer life, to start tra- the transformation process first internally and then around us and then in our community. And then as you link that together to other members of the body of Christ, you know, if everybody's healthy and fit and moving forward, incredible things can happen. So I think this is just a great next step about, you know, continuing that part of the conversation. That, exactly. That's what the journey to transformation is all about. It's a, it's a concerted effort um, along exactly the lines you said. It's a concerted effort from a small group of people who are focused on their community to seek God for themselves first and then for their community. Yeah. And, you know, what I'm really looking for too, Amy, you know, a lot of us listening, you know, we go to church, we're in Bible studies, we're in groups, but, um, you know, this is really focused on people, you know, in business, in, in a leadership role. They could be, you know, low-level managers, CEOs of companies. And I love bringing this conversation into the realm of how do we equip each other as people, you know, that are out in society, in business, interacting with people throughout the work week. And what does that look like? you know, outside of what we get taught on Sunday morning. Um, yeah, that's uh, an interesting uh, perspective. The, the the instances of what we call transforming revival, and we should we should talk about what we're what we mean by transforming revival, um, affect the marketplace just as they affect every other part of um, society. And in many of these communities, around the world, and we'll, we'll talk about it, about 800 communities now that have experienced what we call transforming revival. And in these communities, the marketplace was completely transformed, as in some communities going from impoverished, um, alcohol-ridden, uh, tormented communities to prosperous business-oriented, marketplace-oriented communities where the people thrive because the the whole economy has been turned upside down. So it's critical that people in the marketplace understand their position in the kingdom, their power and authority in the kingdom, their role in the kingdom as individuals and as marketplace leaders. So, yeah, so it's critical that uh, that people recognize their role in the kingdom doesn't start uh, or stop, actually, as they as they leave church or as they leave their house. It uh, it continues into the workplace, into the marketplace. So, Amy, how did you get to this place where you started taking a look at transformation of communities? So, um, actually, it goes all the way back to shortly after I was saved. Um, in 2000, I was introduced to the transformation videos. Um, and back then, they were VHS tapes. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I watched my, the first Transformation 1 uh, video and was blown away by what, what the power of God will do when a people choose to humble themselves and literally turn from their wicked ways and submit to God's will, how everything in a community can change. And what I saw in those, um, 
communities, I, I, I saw uh, whole communities changed where literally the um, government of the community was was coming into alignment with biblical principles. It was where um, the whole community, not necessarily every person, but in general, the people in the community, uh, their values and their social morals uh, and mores become aligned with biblical principles. In the community, the majority of the people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. In the community, even the land is transformed where um, agriculture that was non-productive in, in one community in Guatemala, the agricultural production rate increased by over a thousand percent. In other communities, uh, in, in uh, Kentucky, a community that had not seen deer or elk in over a hundred years in the entire county now has the biggest elk population in the Appalachian Mountains. So even the, even the ground and the, the ec- ecosystem comes back into alignment with God's purposes. So everything shifts. So when I saw that in this video, it absolutely created this hunger in me and this desperation to see a move of God in my community. Um, I, I live in a rural community called Franktown, but the majority of what I what we do is in the city of Parker, about 10 miles away. And I, I just had this desire to see things happen in Parker. And I it, the videos literally are what, what compelled me really to move into being an intercessor um, because I started holding meetings, prayer meetings in my living room and uh, we showed and watched these video, the, the transformation video. People got excited. We started praying. We started interceding. We started seeing people being transformed. We had healings in my living room. We had marriages restored. Um, just amazing things started happening among a small group of people. And then God told me to take it into the city of Parker. And so we started hosting prayer meetings at a Christian bookstore in Parker. And from there, I started showing the DVDs on Friday nights for anybody who would come in, in Parker. And I just had this hunger to see whatever was going on in those DVDs in these communities. It was in Guatemala. It was in Cali, Colombia. It was in Hemet, California. um, And just had this burning desire to see a move of God in my community. The challenge was back then, George Otis, who has created these DVDs through the Sentinel Group, didn't have any teachings or um, didn't have any ways to, to guide people towards seeing this type of transformation happen in their community. He was doing speaking engagements around the country, but didn't have any teaching materials. So for years, I, I, I continued the prayer group. We continued to pursue God, had no clue how to see transforming revival um, happen, but just kept pressing in. We, we uh, built what we call Parker Praise. We had 30, well, there's 30 churches in the Parker area. We had about 15 of them participating and inviting their congregations to join in citywide prayer. That went on for about seven or eight years. 
Um, I became uh, the state coordinator for the National Day of Prayer and mobilized over um, close to 300 some prayer gatherings around the state of Colorado for about six years. So I became um, very passionate about prayer, very passionate about submitting to the will of God and empowering people to pray and intercede and walk in obedience to God. And uh, I, I, for, for that period of about, about 10 years, 12 years, I heard nothing more about the uh, transformation videos or George Otis. And in 2012, late 2012, I heard about uh, some teachings that the Sentinel Group had put out for this, what they called the journey to transformation. And my heart kind of skipped a beat when I saw it. It's like, oh my gosh, they're finally doing some kind of a teaching to help people understand what this transformation can look like and how to get there. So I had hour-long conversations multiple times with people from the Sentinel Group and uh, felt compelled as the state coordinator for National Day of Prayer to host what is called a Discovery Weekend. And a Discovery Weekend is is one of the ways to get started in the journey to transformation. And so I felt compelled to host this Discovery Weekend. And it took until um, 2013 to actually make that happen. So in October of 2013, we held a Discovery Weekend in Colorado Springs, and it's 16 hours of teaching and testimony of what God has done in over 800 communities around the world. And by the end of that weekend, I was totally messed up. If any of you listeners have ever had that divine experience where you're you're so messed up that you just you don't know what to do, and messed up in a good way, M- messed up as in you can't do anything but talk to God because you you just want to do what he wants you to do. Um, within about two weeks, God had put it on my heart that I needed to resign from the National Day of Prayer and focus on talking to people about this journey to transformation. And I knew nothing more than I had to do that. So out of obedience, I resigned, not knowing what I was going to do or how I was going to do it, but I knew I had to talk about this journey and talk to people about all the principles that I learned in this Discovery Weekend. And the amazing thing is, is within two days of resigning from the National Day of Prayer, again, out of obedience, I got a phone call from the Sentinel Group asking me to be a regional director with them to share the message of the transforming revival and this journey to transformation, to share the message across America. So I was absolutely blown away by God's grace. Well, Amy, you know, you keep referring to a journey in in this process, because I know a revival just doesn't happen overnight. Can you Can you speak to what you've learned as you've uh, kind of shepherded people through this? What What is that process and the principles around that process? So the journey to transformation is, uh, first and foremost, it's a spirit-led process. I can't tell you how the journey happens. All I can tell you is what some of the components of the journey have been for other communities and I can tell you what the principles are. Um, so the journey is a process. It's a process where 
a group of people, and a group could be two people, it could be 20 people, it could be 100 people, but it's where a group of people in a community who are focused on that geographic area, and that geographic area can be a city, it can be uh, a geographic boundary of this street on the north, this street on the south, this street on the east, this street on the west, it could be a county, it could be whatever God shows that group. And it's critical as part of being a spirit-led process. It's the group seeking God for what is our territory? What is the geographic area that you want us to call our community? So the Journey to Transformation is a small group of people focused on a geographic area that God has laid out for them. And it's a process of that group seeking God for their own personal transformation, coming into better alignment with God's will and purpose for their lives personally. Then the group seeks God for what his will is for the community. And in that process, the Lord, as again, as, as a spirit-led process, the Lord will show the group the things in the community that are out of alignment with God's original design and purposes, with his will, with biblical values. And then the group will be compelled to pray and intercede and to do spiritual warfare over those issues until something happens. And part of the journey to transformation has always been what we call a tipping point. Somewhere along the line in the journey, the, God, the Lord shows the group something specific that they are to do as a group. And whatever that thing is, it, it changes everything. It's the, it's the tipping point. It's the, the point where what was is is in the past and what's happening is now and in the future. And it's like a release of God's glory after this tipping point. And after that tipping point, things in the community start to manifest the kingdom of God. And again, it's going to look different in every community. So that's the, the best way to describe the journey to transformation. It's a small group of people committed to meeting together regularly, seeking God for a geographic area until he comes. Well, you know, the first step in that journey, um, to, you know, this journey to transformation is identifying core catalysts. Um, could you explain what that means to folks? Well, the core catalysts are that small group. Um, they're the group that are willing – well, for, they're, they're the ones that are willing to – do whatever it takes to see God's kingdom come on earth in their community. And by whatever it takes, I mean living a lifestyle that reflects the kingdom of God. And that means being willing to be humble, being willing to forgive everything and anything that um, has offended them in their lives, uh, to be inoffendable day by day so that no matter what goes on, they refuse to take offense. Uh, it means um, repenting 
for everything and anything they've done in their lives. It's a lifestyle. Mm. So that core group, those core catalysts are the individuals that are willing to press in and live the lifestyle that will what we call attract the presence of God. Now, God is everywhere, but we, we don't always feel him. We don't always sense him. He's not always manifest in us or around us if we're not really tuned into him. The core group, the catalysts, are the people that are willing to live that lifestyle on behalf of the community. And there's usually going to be a man or woman of peace in that group of core catalysts. The man or woman of peace is the one that is going to reach out to the community, reach out to other people, other ministries, reach out to the city government, reach out to wherever God tells them to reach out to. And it may not be to do things. It may not be to organize a church work day to fix things in the city, although that may be what they're directed to do, but it's not uh, to create a program. It's to seek what I would call divine unity or completed unity. The Bible talks about it as oneness. Um, it's to that man or woman of peace is going to reach out to the community to seek that level of completed unity, divine unity amongst the people of the community. And that could be pulling in pastors, that could be pulling in ministry leaders, that could be simply pulling in church uh, pew sitters from across the city. But it's, uh, it's bringing together a group of people. So there's always that core catalyst group. There's always typically or typically going to be a man or woman of peace. And once that core group starts living out this lifestyle, it will expand out into the community. <clears throat> for example, <clears throat> excuse me, for example, in Manchester, Kentucky, in 2004, uh, things were so bad in the community that 90% of the high school was addicted to drugs or alcohol. They were burying teenagers every week from suicide or alcohol overdose, uh, alcohol poisoning, drug overdose, or uh, suicides. And uh, people were hurting. And this had been, this has been, this is in the uh, poverty of the Appalachian Mountains where uh, drug addiction and alcoholism was a, a, a 100 year old generational issue in the county. And two pastors felt compelled to begin to meet together, to cry out to God for their city, for the teenagers, for the, for the children of the community. And interestingly, those two pastors, God brought together a um, evangelical Baptist pastor and a, as he calls himself, tongue-talking, charismatic Pentecostal pastor. Two completely opposite doctrinal beliefs. God brought these two guys together. They agreed to lay down their doctrinal differences and to cry out to God together. They started meeting together. I would call them the core catalysts in Manchester, Kentucky. Their group grew as they started inviting other pastors to join in. They started meeting on Saturday mornings as 
they started meeting, people from their congregations said, I hear you guys are meeting and you're praying for the kids. Can we come join you? Well, before they knew it, they had over, this is a town of 2,000 people. Wait a minute. I think it's 1,500 people, but a very small town. On Saturday mornings, they had over 100 people coming to pray together and to seek God for their, for their community. That's over 10% of the population because <laughs> there were somewhere, somewhere around 1,500 people and they had over 100 people coming to these meetings. They started having salvations at these meetings. And this is across denomination now. They had people coming representing almost every church in town. That's the idea of core catalysts that live a lifestyle that attracts the presence of God, that attracts more people that, that are willing to lay down doctrinal differences to seek God together. You know, Amy, that reminds me of uh, a transformation that happened in Modesto. It was a group of catalysts that got together from the business community. Uh, a couple of these were they were partners in Pinnacle Forum, and they got together with a few of their pastors. It was a very small group, and they asked themselves a question. Why is our city on the list of the worst cities in America? And if all the churches in Modesto Dusto, were just disappeared overnight, would it even would anybody even notice or care? And what, That's a good question. Now, what came out of that? They started talking. What God put on their heart was, you know, there was two city blocks that were just, uh, I don't know, they were just in very bad disrepair. But it was like the epicenter of crime, and they just started reaching out to the community. On this was in two thousand nine. 1,200 people showed up, and in one day, they completely cleaned up these two city blocks. Now, this became a movement called I Love Modesto. In in the last few years, they've had over 56,000 people volunteer in that area, uh, over 200,000 volunteer hours, and they've impacted. The crime rate is down. Graduation rate has doubled. uh, Teen pregnancy rates, uh, crime. I mean, every, every aspect of society that's almost measurable has been impacted in such a meaningful way by just a, a group of, a small group of people getting involved and saying where is the need in our community that through God we we can just start to move toward and address so yep. you know the the you know transformation is real it just takes a few people like you're talking about getting involved being obedient and then actually just doing something about it and when you're teaching people I know there's some some principles that you apply for this process to help you know accelerate this this journey. What are some of those? Well, it's that core group has and develops that the hunger and desperation. I mean, what you talked about in Modesto and what I talked about in um, Manchester, Kentucky, is that there was this sense of desperation that um, we can't go this way any longer um that the that the um apathy of the church like like you were saying you know would it make any difference if the church went away do we are we having any impact um even even more than that is is that does anybody care about this community does anybody care that there's a high addiction rate here does anybody care that our our town is decrepit and falling apart does anybody care um so one of the key principles of transforming revival is that in that in that catalyst group, a sense of 
it's, it's either one of two things. It's either desperation that we cannot tolerate this anymore. We can't live this way anymore. Things are so bad, something has to change. And it's a recognition that we can't change it ourselves through our physical works. We need God. We need Jesus is going to be the only answer. In Manchester, Kentucky, they had had drug rehabilitation programs. They had had government programs. They had had school programs. They had had all kinds of programs that came in. But when they got completely desperate for God and nothing but and recognized and acknowledged to God that nothing but his presence would change things literally the presence of God was made manifest in the community and people started getting set free from drugs and alcohol many of them supernaturally being set free from drugs and alcohol that's came out of that sense of desperation. The second aspect to that a principle is that if you're not desperate because things are horrible, are you hungry because you need more of God? In the Hebrides revival, um, it came about because a elder in the church was desperately hungry for the presence of God because the children and the teenagers were not hungry. As simple as, Lord, our children and our teenagers are turning away from you. There wasn't a big drug problem, wasn't a big alcohol problem, there wasn't poverty in the community. It was a hunger, a desperate hunger for more of God in the lives of the children and the teenagers and the young people in the Hebrides Islands. That's what attracted the presence of God. More people started joining in to that desperate cry that there would be more of God in their community. And when the presence of God showed up, it was because people were hungry for God. So what we're talking about here in these principles is it's not principles of what do we need to do to change our community, although that is good and the church needs to do that. What we're talking about here is what do we need to change in us and what do we need to change in the spiritual climate of this community to see evidence of the presence of God in our community? What do we need to do to see restored hope and restored joy throughout the community? What do we need to what do we need to do so that things of God is a common accepted topic a topic of conversation in public and in the media? What do we need to do to see the presence of God come so that people prefer uh godly entertainment, uh, that people would prefer an all-night prayer vigil over a Mardi Gras kind of event. What do we need to do? that? And And the doing is really more of a being. What do we need to be as individuals and as a community to allow God's presence to invade every aspect of the community? 
Does that make sense? That makes total sense here, Amy. And, you know, as we wrap up, what, what final thoughts would you leave people who've heard this conversation in their, you know, you, you've struck a chord in their heart. They'd like to be involved in creating a transformation. Uh, you know, what's the, what's their next steps that they take? So the journey to transformation is available worldwide. We have uh, resources here in the States. Um, you can contact me uh, here in the States at uh, 303-814-1379. Um, or you can uh, reach me by email, amy at one voice. Uh, that's spelled out, one voice, the number four, the letter T, dot org. Um, or you could go to uh, the Sentinel Group org. If you're outside of the United States, I would encourage you to go to sentinelgroup.org. And uh, there are uh, strategic partners in countries around the world that you can connect with. And if there isn't a strategic partner in your country, maybe you and your organization can become the strategic partner in your country. Um, but the first step is to uh, understand a little bit more about the journey and uh, consider hosting a discovery weekend in your community. Uh, we typically like to have 30, a minimum of 30 to 50 people uh, participating in a discovery weekend for a specific community. Uh, so that's really the, the, the best way to get involved. Uh, contact me. Check out the sentinelgroup.org website. Uh, we will have links up, I think, with this podcast where you can actually watch two of the transformation videos on YouTube. Um, you can buy the rest of the transformation videos uh, from the uh, Sentinel Group website. Uh, those are all ways to get engaged in this journey. You know, that's great. And we'll definitely, well, the, uh, the video, the journey to transformation, it's just a 10 minute video. It is outstanding and it, and it, it just lines out the, the process that you've, that you, that the Sentinel group has and that you're working with. that has been so effective and, and that'll be right in our post at eternal leadership. So come and find that. And Amy, thank you so much today for sharing. That was great. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the opportunity, and I look forward to seeing what God's going to do, especially for us here in Colorado uh, in this coming year. Uh, we've got actually five communities that have engaged in the journey here in Colorado with at least three or four more that are wanting to get started. So I'm, I'm excited to see what God's going to do. Ordinary people seeking God with all their hearts can turn around communities. If you'd like more information about contacting Amy, viewing those transformation videos, purchasing them online, just go to eternalleadership.com slash 066. For all that information and more, that's eternalleadership.com slash 066. I'd also love to make a plug here for Amy, Vicky, and their team at Marketplace Rock. Marketplace Rock is a team of intercessors who pray for business breakthrough. Amy and Vicky are praying for John and I, and I can't recommend their services highly enough. The times that I'm on the phone with them in prayer are really, really the highlights of my week. Info about Marketplace Rock will be in our show notes, eternalleadership.com slash 066. By the way, Marketplace Rock is a growing business, and if you know anyone who has a gift of intercession, Amy and Vicky are looking to hire more intercessors. Maybe you know a retired prayer warrior that wants some part-time hours to get paid for praying. 
contact me, Steve, at eternalleadership.com or go to the Marketplace Rock website and call Amy and Vicki. Next time on Eternal Leadership, a message from the last Heaven and Business Conference. There's one thing we need to fix because I know there's people in the room that as I've talked through some of the conflicts I've faced, you've experienced the same things. looks different, but it's the same core. I feel like one key piece that we need to do is as business people, that you need to forgive institutional church for misunderstanding you. That if you've been told that you've got a second class anointing or that you're not anointed, the solution is not to divorce yourself from institutional church. The solution is forgiveness because that's what Jesus did. Andy Mason returns with the message of why we need to forgive the church. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.